Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how's your week been? It's been pretty good. Um, we were planning to do this on Tuesday, right, Bryce? Oh. Yes, we were. And then Skype. And then Skype. And, and then Skype. Yeah, which... um. Obviously, we thought it was my issue, but it turns out it was a global issue and it was uh, uh, affecting many people. So that was a little frustrating. But I suppose with the midweek games, it's just adding to the list of things that we wanted to discuss anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. Better late than never, as yeah. some would say. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, so here we are. But, um, man, you've been dealing with, uh, well, you're always dealing with plenty of football um, around the world, but... Uh, very much so the the Champions League this midweek, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, what have you got to say about that? A player, a certain player in particular, which maybe some will not have heard of. Yeah, Raúl Godino, and uh, no, he's not related to Maurizio Godino, the former German national team player at all. Um, he made his. Champions League debut for Apoel Nicosia. And this is, of course, a game that we closely watched uh, mostly in utter disgust, right, Bryce? Because of Borussia Dortmund uh, in in that game. And um, we, we covered Dortmund heavily on the Gegenpressing podcast and over on Fußballstadt.com. And uh, so we were watching this game and uh, Raul Godino came off the bench in the second half and made his Champions League debut, his debut for the club, which also means he's First Mexican-born goalkeeper to play in the UEFA Champions League. So big congrats to him. Um, yeah, amazing. Yeah, really good. I mean, um, in interest, not, a bad, in not a bad result either. <laughs> yeah, not for him and uh, Apoel. I think um, horrible result for Dortmund. But as I said, I, I don't want to get too much into it. He's a he's actually owned by uh, Porto and he's on loan out there. So uh, I guess Porto will be happy to have him see. Get some playing time. Porto, of course, in, in, we talk sometimes about the Mexicans abroad and there's a few, right? Um, Porto is one that has several Mexicans in the squad. So, um, good news for them, I guess, that one of the prospects is getting playing time and, um, be curious to see how he, how he gets on in the next few years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's always good, uh, to see young, uh, talent come through, uh, and especially to this level. I suppose some people may have said, you know, yes, he's went to Europe, um, and it's a, it's a big ask for a player to come through the you know the different um, different demands of European football. It is a it, it it's quite challenging, isn't it? Uh, to say the least. Never mind making it anywhere else in the world. But uh, then for him to go on loan uh, to a Cypriot club, I mean, people maybe would have thought, well, how good is the standard? going to be but to, for him to be able to face a team you know like uh, Bruce Dortmund in the Champions League you know the the amount he can take from that uh, type of experience is, is massive and yeah I'm, I'm hoping that he'll uh, he'll get another few games uh, domestically and you know uh, across uh, the European competition um, but yeah uh, con- congratulations to him and uh, I think we're going to move on and speak about another mm. uh, goalkeeper and well Congratulations to him, I suppose, for for his birthday has just yeah. passed. And that's uh, Jorge Campos, which uh, most people will remember uh, that rather iconic uh, photo of him in, well, a, a kit that separates people, will we say, a rather yellow uh, kit with mm-hmm. every other color 
you can imagine on it. Manu, you and I are the type that um, uh, quite enjoy these kits. We quite enjoy the the Pumas kit, yeah. don't we? Uh, but but not everyone shares the same opinion. I remember when we showed uh, Chris on the Gag Press and our podcast. He thought it was absolutely disgusting. Uh, so, so it does divide opinions. But, but we're not going to talk about the kit. We're going to talk uh, about the man himself. Uh, obviously, you know, well over four hundred games uh, in his career. A, a rather short goalkeeper as as well, but um, very well, uh, well, well received around the world and in Mexico. Manu, you you've uh, played uh, goals um, throughout your uh, footballing uh, career. Um, and yeah, I mean, how much do you know about him? Um, maybe respect him and is it difficult to be, well, he's practically a foot shorter than you. Yeah. So Bryce, I, uh, Jorge Campos was actually one of the, the keepers that I absolutely loved growing up. And, um, the reason why, and you know, we all played the championship manager, the football manager in Germany. They had a game called Anstoß, which is a very comprehensive football manager game. And, um, I love bringing in Jorge Campos because you could bring him, you could bring him in as a striker. <laughs> he played, he played striker. And you know the background story of that? <laughs> <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing ever. So when he, when he played for Pumas, um, when he broke into the first team there, he couldn't get past the first goalkeeper there. So he asked whether he could play outfield to get some playing time. So he, <laughs> He still played him as a striker. And he did well. Um, he scored 14 goals in his first season as a striker. So I guess, you know, a man of two callings, really. And, um, as, as he established himself as a goalkeeper, um, in the, in the 1990s. Um, and then of course he went to, I actually had to have his playing card, his, uh, tops playing card for the FIFA 1994 World Cup in the USA, which, um, where, where I really, you know, that was one of those moments where I'm like, Oh my God, this is a goalkeeper and a striker. But yeah, so he, he by that point, he's established him, but he would, <laughs> he would go off sometimes at halftime and, uh, don a striker jersey and play up front for the second half. And this, <laughs> this is, this is not antics. This, he did this because he was actually good at it. And, um, I, I think that's just, you know, one of those stories you don't get that very often anymore. And when you look at his playing career at Pumas and 183 games, he scored 31 goals. Um, didn't do it that often anymore when he played for other sides. He, he had a short stint in, in MLS, of course, with the Los Angeles Galaxy, played for Cruz Azul and shortly for Chicago Fire. Um, spent most of his career with Pumas, but it's that, those antics and those those jerseys that you mentioned, you know, he actually designed them himself. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. What what was his? Uh, because I remember hearing uh, stories about uh, closer to home or where, where I'm from uh, yeah. in Liverpool, you've got Neville Southall who played for uh, for Wales and played for Everton for years. Uh, he got a nickname the Bin Man um, actually, but he always said that he uh, used to. Uh, request and i surely this goes against the slimming rules because he was a big guy he used to request a black shirt because he thought it was more intimidating and made him seem bigger in goals but uh, clearly uh campos must have been trying to do the same thing was he was he was he a bit bit of a fashionata or was was it was it that he he thought that if i got a bright yellow kit that really stood out it's going to make me seem bigger that must have been it because he's a meter 68 um 
which is uh, very which short. Is, <laughs> say very short. I'm I'm not that much taller than him, but yeah, I'll I'll go with very short. Well, but you're not a goalkeeper, Bryce. He's five foot six. Now, let me put this into perspective. I'm six foot five. The the kid that just started for Apoel um, in the Champions League, he's six foot five. Now that's that's a typical goalkeeper height. I think um, playing as a striker was actually good for him because you get that like get tons of tiny strikers. And Mexico has produced smaller goalkeepers in the past, but that's very small, you know, very small. But I think the to go back to this kids. Um, that was a huge trademark for him, you know, having these, these goalkeeper kits and, um, having them so colorful and bright. And there is theories out there that if you wear something large and colorful, that you become a bigger target. Now, I'm not a psychologist, neither am I a sports psychologist, but I could see that. I mean, I can see that, but, um, I, I urge anyone to, watch highlights of him and he may have been small but he could launch so far in the air and cover the entire goal despite his small height and i think i mean he didn't he doesn't have only have an illustrious club career you know we're talking about the 1990s when players didn't really go abroad very much or as much as they do nowadays right nowadays he would have probably gone abroad he spent most of his mm-hmm. career in Liga MX at a time when you know someone like Pep Guardiola played there and um several actually Mauricio Gordini who he mentioned earlier in the pot he played in uh, um, Liga MX as well and um he has a hundred and he had 130 caps for Mexico price you know yeah. he's in the illustrious century club uh, there's not many players around the world who can claim that no definitely not um that's a hell of a feat isn't it and mm-hmm. you know it, his, his career went you know for over 13 years you know and that's that's a lot of games to be uh covering um and yet, as we mentioned, you know, about his antics on the other end of the pitch, I mean, everyone enjoys it. Even if he's, he's being replaced by another goalkeeper, uh, to a sense in his position and him sent forward. I mean, everyone just loves that, don't they? You, you mm-hmm. don't get it very often. It, it feels really special and something, um, we, we see less and less these days. I mean, the days of, you know, the likes of, uh, Georgie Campos and, you know, Jose Chilever as well, who used to yeah. take free kicks and penalties, you know, which, you know, it's still entertaining to watch um, oh, you know, on, on YouTube. Remember yeah, that's right. Another one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, we applaud the likes of Manuel Neuer, who um, is very creative as a goalkeeper and, and likes to come out of the box and solve issues a little bit differently than most keepers do. But we don't get that a lot anymore. And maybe that's something that's lacking. Um, I wonder almost sometimes if we take the football a bit too serious, right? And, um, that seriousness that you get with the, with the game nowadays almost makes it impossible for characters like Campos to exist. Because. Yeah, well, would you even say that managers would just say, say I was your best free kick taker and I was your goalkeeper? Would you say now it's too much of a risk to send you forward? Yeah, maybe. And that's sad because slapstick and fun and enjoyment, all of that is entertaining. Um, and I think that's a big part of the game to have that. And maybe, maybe we're taking it a bit too serious. Um, I think that's off topic, but it is on topic because we're talking Jorge Campos, who obviously didn't always take himself very serious and still had an amazing career. And, um, it's maybe something to think about. I remember maybe the last keeper that has come close to this kind of thing in Europe was uh, Hans-Jörg Butt, who played for Bayern for a long time, right? And um, 
took all the penalties and every time there was a penalty you could hear in the entire stadium but 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 because everyone <laughs> knew that he would come up and take the penalty right and i think one season he had 15 goals and he was actually in a goal scoring race and wow. it's but you don't have these stories right now and uh, you're the free kick taking goalkeeper i i reckon and i'll put a wager on that i bet, bet you manuel neuer would not do any worse than uh, cristiano ronaldo but you don't get it because uh, it's too serious. So um, maybe th- something to think about as we celebrate, you know, Jorge Campos and happy birthday, Jorge. His birthday was on uh, October 15th. So we we're a little bit late, but um, yeah, what a, what a character, what a flamboyant goalkeeper and um, a character that the game needs and misses. Yeah, very much so. I, I, he's one of these keepers. Um, I know that he pops up and I'm not even a, a computer game type of guy but he always pops up as you know in like these kind of like classic teams or whatever in fifa and that so um i hope that um i hope that they continue to do that because he's definitely one of the great characters over the years um like uh, i suppose the the other ones that we've had like balderama and, mm-hmm. and maybe pele's and and, yeah. and stuff like this but um yes let's move on on i think to uh to well we'll move on to the weekend's game because we've got the weekend's game to speak about and then we've got midweek as well so we've got quite a lot so it's going to seem a little bit odd because we speak about match day 13 and then we move to match day 10 sounds a little odd uh but uh the match day 10 uh midweek games which don't normally happen um midweek games that is uh where they act Actually, the games that were rescheduled from the uh, awful earthquake that happened uh, just uh, a few weeks ago. So, so hence that explains that. So, we're going to speak about match day 13 first, the weekend games. Um, Manu, uh, the, probably the biggest game over the weekend uh, mm-hmm. would have been the, the Classico Hoven. Yeah. Uh, which, which seen uh, Cruzul taking on uh, America. Um, Cruzul, we we talked about them plenty, didn't we? And we said that uh, you know over the years they've they've become a, a little bit uh, of a joke because they they're one of the meant to be one of the big four and they've they've just underperformed for many many years. But uh, this year they've looked pretty good, they've looked pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had only lost one game going into this. They were at home, but um, yeah, America have just continued to look stronger and stronger, and actually uh, took the game to them and won three one. Noted an impressive. Uh, performance and a very impressive a victory for america away from home yeah but you know what i thought that chris Asu was really good too in this match um I, well i thought i definitely think uh early doors they they could have scored a few actually yeah this this is the thing and i think that it was maybe you know since we cover liga mx closely it was probably the closest um between those two wasn't it i think that when you when you look at the statistics, when you look back at the match, when you look at the highlights, when I watched the game and I thought it was a very good game, and um, it showed that you know Cruz Azul a have improved enormously, and 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 on top of that, it shows how good of a side Club America have become in the recent matches. I mean, we're going to talk about this in a moment because Cruz Azul and uh, not sorry, not Cruz Azul, Club America had two big derbies in quick succession because of the rescheduling. Right, they had to play Cruz Azul. On the weekend and then Chivas on Wednesday, which is, which is tough to have two big back to back games like that. And, uh, without giving away too much, Club America won them both. 
and are now just one point behind Monterey. And I think that really speaks for itself that they're so impressive. But at the same time, I thought that Cruz Azul were really impressive in this game as well. And, um, you know, when you look at the state, the, the standings and how close it all is up there, it's, you know, Cruz Azul, yes, they're seventh now, but, you know, they're one win away of four, third place. And, um, it's just so tight and it just shows a the competitiveness. It shows that there's a lot of teams that are doing a lot of things right. And, um, yeah, I, I thought this was a fantastic and entertaining game. Yeah, very much so. And so I, I think we can, we can give credit to both teams, really. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe partly in the game, sure. But, uh, I think this campaign, I, th- I think both sides have looked very good. I mm. mean, if we're being honest, um, nobody expected, uh, Cruz Azul to do very well. A lot of people probably predicted that Paco Jimenez would, would get the boot, um, fairly well, but before a lot of the other managers you would have called to get the boot, uh, with his, um, media antics and, well, rather poor showing in, in results, but they've, they've looked, they've looked pretty good this year. They've added goals to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year they had a lot of draws. Uh, they've, they've still, had well a fair amount of draws this year but they've turned um, a lot of them into uh, into victories and they're a hard team to break down you know this is this is the first year in many that I think Cruzul fans will be uh, quite happy with their their size performances um America well I, I think we've wrote in, like in a, in a few of the the previews and different articles this year and I maybe even mentioned on the pods that with uh, Herrera coming back uh, in his second spell, and as lively and as nuts as he is, uh, we all know that he's a very good manager. But these things can take time. Um, and after the loss, uh, uh, Kerataro, uh, the first game of the season, yeah. we all thought, yeah, transitional. That's the word we need to use this uh, this uh, campaign. But but actually, they went from strength to strength, and we, we talked always about how good uh, Monterey are. And Monterey have been absolutely flying this year. As you said, after these two games, you know, they're, they're only one point behind them, you know, which, mm. um, says, look, Monterey do have a game in hand, uh, to be yeah, fair. But, true. but in saying that, they're the only team really that's keeping pace with them. Uh, we will probably talk a little bit about Monterey and, uh, their shock, uh, loss as well. But I think, um, I think, uh, America are, are going to be a really hard team to beat. And I think even Cruz Azul with the way that they play, yes, they lost, uh, three one, but, but um, they're going to be a hard team in the knockout phase to play as well. I, d- I can't see many teams really fancying playing either of them. Yeah, I would go along with that. I mean, that they're the, they're the, the big teams um, at the moment, right? And um, you point out a lot of those things. I think the fact that we thought Club America would have a transitional year, well, we were wrong. Price. <laughs> because let's talk about let's talk about the Clásico Nacional, shall we? Um, the big game, because I think that that really showed how big of a side club America are right now. Um, yes, Chivas have been horrible, but this is nonetheless, you know, going into a big game like that, um, going into the game of the biggest rivalry in the country, the biggest game in the country and a country of 140 million people, you know, you, you can sense how big of a game this is when club America and Chivas play each other and they, they went in and won this game. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's just, that, that just shows, um, consistency. It shows strength and it, what, what strikes me the most is that, um, Club America have this confidence about them. And when you watch them play, you, you get the sense now that they're going to win. And that's, um, a bit like what Monterey had in the beginning of the season. And 
you know, I'd be, I'd be almost worried now if Monterey, if I was Monterey, because we've talked so many times about the playoffs and the need of getting hot at the right time. And I, I get the sense a little bit that a club America, when you do a power ranking, you know, they love power rankings in, in North America. If you do a power ranking, I would actually put club America ahead of Monterey based on what I've seen in the last couple of weeks or so. Yeah, I I would go along with that. I mean, yes, the, the people can say, yeah, this this was just a one loss. You know, they've been pretty formidable before that. But I, I don't know. I, I feel Club America as well just have a bit of momentum at the moment. Uh, they, they seem to have uh, a few ideas mm-hmm. um, on how to break down different sides and seems to be working quite well. I, I mean, these two sides, uh, we've mentioned before, they, they play each other rather late. In the campaign, I'm just trying to look at what game it is they play. Each, uh, oh no, oh yes, they do. They on the third last game round, uh, 15. So, so not this weekend. Uh, they'll then play the next uh, match day. That is going to be a very interesting game, especially mm-hmm. in Monterey. Uh, I at the moment, I might even put my money on uh, Club America to just cause a bit of an upset. Home advantage will obviously come into it, but yeah, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going Let's, to be a big weekend period, Bryce. Yeah, it really is. That, that's going to be an exciting one, I think. Um, what what's, uh, what more can we possibly say about uh, Chivas? Is there anything more we can say? I mean, they're, they're bottom of the table at the moment. We we discussed, didn't we, before we came on the podcast, uh, that yeah, they, they were all but out. I mm. think they have to win all four of the remaining games. And when you've only won one up to this point... The odds are stacked against you. I mean, this is going to be one of the worst uh, title defenses uh, in in a, in a long time, or maybe in in many a leagues. Yeah, you know, Bryce. I wonder if they've been found out. And um, Matthias Almeida, he's a he's a very good coach. And we had Tom Marshall on a few weeks ago, and he pointed out rightfully so that you know before um, Chivas fire him, he will leave on his own because he will get a big contract somewhere. Um, of course, this is not the, the way they're playing right now is not the end of the world because of the way Liga MX works, right? Because you can basically pick it up in, in the second, second half of the season, um, and win a national title, even if you really screwed up like they did. Um, but even when they won the title, they, they scraped them, they scrapped through the playoffs, right? And it was all this playoff push and it was all tactically, it was, it was a masterpiece the way they did it. But, I think that they've been found out, um, that they, the system teams now know how to break them down. And that's, um, you know, when you, when you play on such a fine margin as they did when they won the league, it was all fine margin results. And, um, you know, that's the kind of system that either it goes completely for you or it can go completely against you. And that's really what's been happening. I mean, this is, this game was a good example. They lost this game 2-1. They weren't destroyed by Club America. You know, um, it's just that they have these 50-50 games going against them right now. And that's, that's hard. And then, I mean, in, in a league like Liga MX, which is super competitive. I mean, we're talking about competitiveness, um, in European football and, and the, the lack of it in a lot of the big leagues. And Liga MX is maybe the most competitive top division, um, or, well, top, top division. You know, when you look at the top divisions around the world, obviously some countries have better top divisions than others, but Liga MX is probably the most competitive bottom to top, right? And so when you, when you're in that kind of league and you have the 50-50 games go against you and every week is basically you playing in a position that can beat 
beat you because that's how this league is. The results can stack up really quick, and that's what's happening to Chivas right now. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, to be fair, uh, you know, in the uh, in the Classico, they they made a fairly good uh, attempt, you know, at, at beating America. You're closer than most teams had, um, and once again, you know, they dominated in possession. Also, had uh, more chances as mm-hmm. well, but just didn't take them. They were one nil up, you know. But then uh, all of a sudden, you know, that that lapse in concentration once again. I've seen them concede two goals in in three minutes, and you know, it's that that's that's the way. As you said, their luck has been has been going all season, really. Uh, I mean, I think they, yeah, well, it was against um, Morelia, wasn't it? Uh, I'm sorry, I was trying to trying to think who it was. Ninety um, fourth minute. You know, they conceded an own goal, didn't they? And mm-hmm. then they lost that one as well. And Pizarro stupidly um, reacted in trying to get the ball off somebody and slapped him in the chest and got sent off. I mean, yeah. I, d- I don't know what he was thinking. But, you know, when you're Chivas and you're in Chivas' position this season, you know, you, you need all your best players, um, you know, to come together. And he, even though he's had a pretty poor season by his standards, um, and people talk about the... You know how much he's just dispossessed and misses chances. He can still score some absolutely wonderful goals and create some fantastic moments. And you know, to him doing something as stupid as this, you know, just it sums up their season really. It's it's just been a bit of a disaster. Have they been found out? Well, you'd you'd have to say you know they've they've, they've sold players in the summer and haven't replaced them. And I don't think anyone would have predicted that it was going to be this bad. Mm. They've um, they, they're very much outside that bases themselves on possession football but they've given away the ball so poor you you it, it's hard to play possession football when uh when the players aren't up to it i mean you know if, if you yeah. look at the likes of um lower lower leagues like if we talk about the german league or we talk about mls or we talk about the premiership you know we, we talk about you know the sides that are re- relegation battle obviously they're not or shouldn't be but you know, those type of teams that then try to play possession based football a lot of time they just don't have the quality and you know, they, they get caught out and they get punished for it. And this is exactly what's happened. And I suppose actually, Manu, this, this is another occasion that we can, uh, we can talk about, um, a side having little possession and still coming up on top. And that's exactly what America did. Yeah. You know, and this is such a theme these days because we did the football grad podcast this morning. We also talked about possession and how it really doesn't matter anymore. So <laughs> it's funny that you're bringing that up, Bryce, because we talked about it. Was it last week with Ollie? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> so, uh, I, well, we, we mentioned it for a few weeks, haven't we? And yeah. I mean, it, it, it was only earlier when I, when I t- looked a little bit closer at the stats of this one. Mm. And yeah, let, let me just bring them up again. 34%, yeah. 66. I'm looking at Oh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty substantial. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny. It's, uh, it's a theme. Maybe, you know, we have to, we have to get Constantine back up from Spielverlagerung and explain this to us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone missed the uh, gig impressing our podcast, uh, this week, um, unfortunately, uh, Chris had a few technical difficulties, so couldn't join us, but we had a, a fantastic, um, guest on there, uh, in, in Constantine and he, um, he, he's, he's a brilliant guy with his, uh, with his tactics, uh, and, and stats. And he, uh, he broke down, um, uh, well, the, well, the history of the last few years uh, in the Bundesliga, and it, it's a fantastic listen. And it would be interesting to uh, get him um, either on here or get someone uh, of similar, uh, I don't know, uh, knowledge uh, to to break it down for us because uh, it it 
seems like, you know, we talked about like ticky tack of football yeah. comes in and everyone's passing, everyone's like, you got to have the ball. And, oh, now you've got to close everyone down. And all of a sudden now we're looking at all these stats and going, teams are winning and they don't have the ball. Yep. Um, some, something's changed. And that that's happened on this occasion. And Chivas winning, um, obviously, last year, uh, you're the first title in a very long time. We, we know how Almeida likes to have the ball. He likes them to control the game, prevent the other teams from, uh, you know, executing their game plan. Uh, but it seems like the whole league has decided this year that they don't need the ball to win the games, and and that is the worst thing that could possibly happen to him. Yeah, I, w- I would go along with that. And it's not just in this league; it's a general trend. Um, the other, of course, the other big one is, and in, in this game in particular, is the the accurate passes played. <laughs> when you look at that, you you have no idea how they how Club America won this game. They played 217 passes and completed 140. That's a 65% pass accuracy rise. And, <laughs> and, you know, Chivas played the 393 passes and played, uh, 311 accurate passes, um, which is 79%, which is okay. It's not bad. Um, but it, yeah, but, it gave but you would nothing. Say six, well, let's say you would say 65 is pretty poor. Um, yeah. 70 and 79 is decent yeah. without being exceptional. But yeah, the, the, but the team of sixty-five percent accurate passes won this game, and you know this is where in Germany then one of the big stats is packing now, um, and that's not the amount of passes you're playing or the the pass accuracy counts or the ball possession counts, and um, what the what the statistic packing um, looks at is rather um, how many how many um, players where you'd pack in when you played an attacking move. And that's maybe like something that, unfortunately, we don't have the data in front of us. This would be something for Opta. And I don't think they have a deal with Liga MX, but basically I would reckon and I would, I would put a wager on this that, um, Club America beat, um, Chivas and any of the other sides that beat Chivas recently beat them in the packing stats as in they were able to play more key passes or more key dribblings that packed away more. Um, of the Chivas defenders and therefore gave them more scoring chances or good scoring chances. And I think when you look at a key statistic and someone like Herrera will be very much aware of such a trend, right? Because he's such a, uh, world renowned coach. And I think that uh, that's really what's happening. And then, you know, it's a, it's a big one in German football. And what happens in German football is tends to be copied around the world because they are the benchmark when it comes to, um, they create, they, pro- they produce the world champion, right? So they are the benchmark. So they, they, other teams around the world seem to copy that. So I think that's really what's going on here. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, football does move in, uh, in, in different trends, doesn't it? And maybe, maybe this is a new one that we're seeing, you know, and especially talking about this, uh, packing. Yeah. Maybe we'll hear more about that. And yeah, I suppose as people said, you know, when there was that passing game, they went, possession doesn't win you games. Yeah. And it's true. Balls do. But, um, yeah, let, let's, uh, talk a little bit more, uh, about uh, a few of the sites in the league. Um, one team that we had obviously planned to talk about, uh, on Tuesday, and we're still going to talk about them, but, um, was, uh, Leon. Uh, we kind of said that they, they've been one of the stories of the season. They've, they've been having a great season so far. And then, of course, o- over the last, uh, well, last two, uh, two days worth of games, they lost to Pumas. Typically, we uh, pretty much curse them. But even at that, if we look at, if we take that aside, they, they've had a very good season, man. A really impressive season. Yeah, I, I certainly think so. And look, even with that defeat, um, third place Toluca and uh, seventh placed uh, Cruz Azul 
are separated by just two points at the moment. And uh, Leon are in sixth on even points with Morelia and Tigris. We're going to talk about Morelia in a moment too, because they're the other big story, right? Um, but those three teams are basically even on points. And Leon, I feel you done a preview on Leon a few weeks back, right? When they play Tigris. And, um, I think they're a side that are completely almost ignored. How often have we talked about Leon? Probably not often enough, right, Bryce? Definitely, definitely not often enough. Um, I, I, th- I think them and Morelli, as, as you said, both, both deserve, um, well, they, they deserve a, a lot more credit for this season. I, I don't think many people would have called that they would, well, obviously we've still got so many games to go, but I don't think many people would have called for them to get into Legia, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to look as, as impressive as they have, you know, um, I think they can be pretty proud of maybe not, uh, the result against Pumas, but, um, I'm going to say that this is just a, a one-off. Uh, Pumas are obviously dreadful, aren't they? But, um, <laughs> Yeah, them them beating Tigris, you know, and uh, you know it was impressive. They they beat uh, Lobos away, um, three nil. Before that, uh, beat America before that, two uh, one. I mean, so it's, you know a lot of impressive games. In fact, before this game, uh, in all competitions, they'd won seven in a row, which yeah. which is pretty good going. Yeah. And I, I mean, to be fair. Another man that we maybe haven't spoke about enough, you know, is uh, Boselli up top for them. I mean, he is—he really makes a difference. I, I think when we talk about um, different clubs, and we had like on, on our other podcasts as well, how different or, or how much impact it can be to have you know, that uh, really potent uh, goal scorer up top for you, and and, he, and he's certainly that, isn't he? Um, at the age of thirty-two, you know, he's still. He's still got a lot in the tank there. He's mm. still scoring a lot of goals. I mean, 9 and 12? Yeah. yeah. I think most clubs would take that. Scoring frequency of 119 minutes. That's that's very good. It's the top scorer in the league right now, um, Bryce. And um, yeah. I think that's really, when when you look at that in, in particular, um, Mauro Bozzelli, uh, you know, he has been fantastic for Lyon this year. And he has been... A good player in this league for quite some time. He, in 139 league games, he scored 86 goals. You know, that's, that's good going. Um, and I think that's really, that's been it for them that they have someone who's reliable, who just puts in the goals. And, and it's and another trend that I've, I've noticed in, in Liga MX since I've been watching it that teams have almost every team has a top striker. And I mean, like a tops striker, someone who could play in any league in Europe and get goals on mass. And some teams have even two or three, right? I think that when you, when you look at the quality, especially up front, there's a lot of quality there and every single team has that guy that can just bang in the goals. And I think that this Mauro Bozzelli is that guy for Leon and he has been very effective for them this year. And that's, that's, Really it, you know, and, um, on the other hand, that means if you shut him down, like, like Pumas did, um, and this is a game that I watched, they, they, they really effectively got him, took him out of the game. And I, I thought, you know, um, that was, that was just the, the, the way for Pumas to, to finally get a win. They needed that so badly. Um, but yeah, I think Mauro Bozzelli, um, he deserves a lot of plaudit and he is a big reason why Leon are where they are. And, I think when we talk about the next team, the the Morelia Morelia story is very similar because again 
they got a guy who just knows where the goal is, right? Yeah, very much so. I mean, <laughs> well, we all, all remember, we, we talk about it plenty, don't we, about Raul uh, Rui Diaz uh, from last year when, when he scored um, to put them into La Guia to prevent them from being relegated. I mean, that's, that's one of the, one of the footballing memories uh, I think I'll have for, for many, many years. And yeah, he, he's up there. And I, I did say at the start of the season, I said, if Morelia don't um, do better than what's expected of them, uh, and quite a way uh, better than what's expected of them, that other clubs are going to be looking to snap him up. And you, you couldn't blame him for wanting to get away, really. But but yeah, it, it seems like they've, uh, they've rose to the challenge, haven't they? And uh, very impressive, really impressive. I mean, if, you, if we're looking at the stand, about it, uh, Manu, but you've got Monterey, America, mm-hmm. uh, in first and second, then fourth, you've got Tigres. These are all sides that will be there nine times out of ten, right? You know, um, you probably would have expected Chivas to be there. Probably would have expected Pachuca to be there. You know, there's a few other names possibly, maybe maybe Cholos, but um, Tijuana, yeah, that's just yeah, say I mean, Tijuana. I mean, there's there's four more games left. Things can change, but you know, you wouldn't have expected possibly Toluca to be there, maybe, but Leon to be there, Morelia to be there, Cruz Azul to be there, Nicaxa. I mean. It's quite exciting, actually. It's, it's quite. I mean, Liga MX is always exciting, but this is um, this is uh, this is putting a smile on my face while I say it. And the fact that Morelia are up there and on twenty-two points, as you mentioned, the same amount of points as Tigres and Leon, a point behind Toluca. I mean, if results went their way, they could be in third after the weekend, and nobody, nobody would have called that. And yeah, it's only a good thing for the league, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's exactly it. You know, competitiveness and, uh, you know, strikers. Bryce, I love strikers. Um, yeah. That's- I, if, if I was, uh, Roberto Jimenez, I'd, I'd be wrapping Rui Diaz as soon as he comes off the pitch in, in cotton wool to make sure that that guy does not get injured because that could be the, the real difference in, in them, uh, well, I reckon they'll probably get in the Ligia regardless. Um, I reckon they're strong enough and they've been performing well enough. But in the Ligia, when you've got a striker like that, mm. you just don't know. You might nick a goal at the end of the game. All of a sudden, you're going into the second leg, you know, 1-0 up, something like that, right? You know, we, we know that the Ligia and the league it, are two very, very different competitions. Yeah, definitely. It's... Two completely different compositions. And I think that's, you know, I still reckon that Tigers could win it, although they're, in, they're so inconsistent in the league, but I still think that Tigers could win it just because of what they do in the Liguela. What, do you reckon, uh, you reckon Tigers could win it? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, Tigers, I, I, I think Tigers are one of those sides that are always in there, right? You know, we, you've seen, they, we've they seen, like to turn it on, like, yeah. Well, that's it, right? And uh, yes, Morelia and Leon, they are in this uh, very good position right now, but playing in Liguilla is a completely different ball game in a lot of ways. So, um, I think it's, it's a great storyline, but I don't think that they necessarily are going to, to be able to challenge the likes of Club America, Monterey or Tigres in the, in the Liguilla because it's, that's the big boys club. Yeah. I, I, th- I think you're right. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard to look past. Two of the uh, teams uh, not being uh, the three that I'll mention in in Tigres, Monterrey, or Club America at the moment. Uh, you'd imagine two of them will, will get to the final, but mm. 
it would be refreshing if uh, some of the other sides could get there and it was an unexpected final or even just somebody was to call us an upset and win it that, that we wouldn't expect. It, it would be nice. And it would be over Christmas. So it would be a nice Christmas present, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, ra- rather exciting times in, in those camps. Oh, we don't need to talk about Pumas. Let's cross that one off the list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Manny, what way to, like, if we, if we just look at the table, Mm. Uh, we t- we talk about uh, Atlas have had either a great season followed by a terrible season, and then they've kind of had a bit of a resurgence in a way. Uh, Lobos are just wild. Uh, Pachuca underperforming. Chivas more or less down and out. Pumas have been awful. But um, who do you see possibly getting into uh, Legia that's maybe not in that top eight at the moment? So we've got Monterrey, America, mm. Toluca, Tigres, Morelia, Leon. Cruzul and Nakaxa. Uh, who do you see maybe swapping our places there? Um, I think that Atlas, Atlas still has a good chance of getting in. <laughs> Actually, funnily enough, we, we had them uh, down and out. Um, but, you know, I think they still, there is a good chance that they could get it in because they have that extra game in hand too, right? And Monterey having Monterey, I get a sense that that break, that international break, just came at the wrong time for them. So um, an extra three points that would that would swap Atlas into that uh, top eight. And um, Tijuana, I reckon them and Pachuca finally seems to get going too. So it's it's so tight, Bryce. Um, I reckon we won't actually know until match day seventeen of who gets in and who gets out. No, I, I think you're right. I think it's it's going to be a I think it's going to be that case, isn't it? I, I think that this um, this weekend uh, might help to make it a little clearer, but I think we're, it sounds ridiculous, we're four games out. I think we're still a long way away from knowing it's going to be in and around there. Yeah, so Manu, there, there was one story you wanted to uh, speak about just before we uh, wrap things up. Uh, oh, what, what is this that's happening with uh, Alvis uh, Hurtado? Yeah, this is, this is something that... Um is developing even more now. There was a tweet by Tom Marshall who suggested that he could be um, Aviles Hodado. He's, of course, Colombian and um, was the big money signing by Monterrey. And we, we talked about strikers earlier in this podcast, right, and how big um, of an ingredient they are, they are for most Liga MX sites. And Hodado has made the, was for many, many years the, the, the top striker for Tijuana, very good striker for Tijuana and um, has continued to be a very good striker now for Monterey. Um, but he's now eligible to receive a passport, a Mexican passport. And um, he could be making the switch. Uh, he's never been called up to play for Colombia. Um, I'm shocked by that. <laughs> I really am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, the, it's it's a it's a tough one. So Hotado still uh, wants to play for Colombia, but apparently because he hasn't been called up, um, he can make the switch. Um, and he's been living for for five years continuously um, in the country. So you know we could see this happening. And I think a striker like that would would be a good addition for L three going into Russia. Um, you know. Colombia's Colombia's so deep up front. When you when you look at the the names that they have, um, it's just 
it's mind-boggling, you know, Baca, Falcao, Muriel, Zapata, these are all guys that are playing ahead of him, even someone like John Cordoba that who plays in Mainz, um, these are all guys that wouldn't have a chance to get past him, so um, it's it's one that I, I could see happening, and I think he'd be a great addition. You mentioned John Corbett, and he's of Cologne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said Mainz. That, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, seven goals in 12. I mean, surely Mexico would be happy to have him. Like, the only thing is, it's just a pity he wasn't a centre back or maybe a, maybe a defensive midfielder or left or right back. Then yeah. he, you know, they'd, they'd be absolutely, um, dying to get him in. I mean, Mexico were rather lucky in, uh, in attacking areas, but, I mean, if, if this option comes up for them to, to take him to the World Cup, well, they'd, they'd be silly not to take him, really, wouldn't yeah, they? But definitely. it'd be interesting to see how that one pans out. I mean, at the moment, he, he might be saying, no, I'm Colombian, I'm going to wait for that call. But if it gets closer to the time, and maybe he, he has a word with the coach, and he says, I'm sorry, you're, you're not going to be there. I'm, I'm sure it'll definitely enter his mind. I mean, the guy's 30. I mean, is he going to be at the next World Cup, 34? Mm-hmm. At that age, it's tricky. It is tricky. So you you try to take whatever opportunity you can. So yeah, that, that could be that could be an interesting uh, turn of events. Goodness. Well, he said uh, he would welcome the opportunity. So we'll, oh. we'll we'll see how it goes. I guess, and this is a story that we're gonna cover and follow very closely. That is exciting, Manu. Um, just before we wrap it up, have a quick look at the fixtures. Mm. Uh, let let's highlight one. Uh, or two. Uh, what, uh, what is jumping out at you? Well, it's already back on tomorrow, right? Isn't it? Um, yes, back coming again. So, so, so many games so fast. Um, and there's, there's good fixtures on this list. Um, I would go for the Tigris Toluca game because they're both, um, so close in the standings. And, um, that's, that's a game, um, that's going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah, very much of so that. That's going to be. Rather exciting. I'll, it'll be interesting to see how Nakaxa get on against America. That'll be a tough one for them. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to be calling uh, Pachuca and, and Puebla, mm. if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, Morelia and Leon, the two sides that we just mentioned, they're playing each other. The first game of the weekend. I think that could be a very interesting game as well. Probably is nil nil wrote all over it, eh? But um, yeah, let's uh, let's just hope for another entertaining weekend of Liga MX. And to be honest, uh, it's very rare that it's not. Um, Manu, what have you got going on in the next few days now that you can breathe again after the Champions League and European fixtures? Yeah, I'm on Bundesliga duty this weekend, so. <laughs> So no breathing. No breathing. Um, we have a big uh, Major League Soccer preview for this weekend coming up by Nico Miramont because of the it's decision day on Sunday. So look out for that. That's coming out on Football Sidage. And um, we are going to preview the the big 1860 Bayern München derby on Sunday. And uh, I'm saying Massive. big with a, with a bit of a chuckle, but we are previewing it. And it's going to be a fantastic preview with a bit of history mixed in, etc. Good luck to anyone telling uh, the 1860 fans that that is not a big game. Uh, good luck with that, I think. Um, yes, uh, so yeah, plenty going on on Football Grad as always. Guys, get over to, uh, well, on Twitter to at Football Grad Live. You'll be able to see all the articles uh, and pl- have plenty more um, on there. Uh, obviously, we'll have the uh, 
Giga Pressing uh, podcast um, over the weekend. We will return uh, Glatso, a podcast. Hopefully, we'll be out and in your ears on uh, Tuesday and talking uh, plenty more. Uh, but, guys, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we say this on all the podcasts, but if you could uh, possibly head over to iTunes, give us um, a few positive words uh, or even uh, give us a good rating. We'd really appreciate it. And apart from that, get in touch. Get in touch on, on Twitter. If you suddenly you'd like us to discuss or you have any opinions, we'd love to hear from you. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back rather soon with plenty more football. get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper and now adult beverages with drizzly drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer wine and spirits then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes and right now drizzly's giving all new customers five dollars off their first order just enter promo code easy five at checkout download the drizzly app or go to drizzly.com that's d-r-i-z-l-y dot com It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com and search Unbound. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.